On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, you built a company, a $4 million company over four years, and you sold it. What was a great decision that you made that helped you do that, that we can go implement in our businesses today? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Russell Burr here on the King stage. My brother, Russell, how we doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. Dude, I, you know, I was telling you before we hit the record button here that I was referred to you by a good friend of mine and mastermind client, actually, but he was just, he was just tooting your horn as a guy that I had to have on the show. And I was like, okay, here we go. And we had some scheduling back and forth mix-ups, but here we are, and I'm just like, I couldn't be any more jazz because I really want to hear your story, and I'm really excited to share your story because I think that you, like myself, are pretty intentional about your actions, and you're going to be able to have a pretty cool story here of what you've been able to do with that intentionality. So let's jump in. Tell us what kind of business that you have now and that you recently exited. Cool. So right now, I'm, I'm doing coaching. So I'm doing coaching for CEOs and entrepreneurs. You know, and the thing that I hear a lot is that, you know, all these business owners, they, they bring in all these coaches for their people, but not many of them have coaches for themselves. Yeah, you that's know? right. And that's where I come into play, man, is I can help guys navigate strategic decisions in the business for growth, that sort of thing. And I do some diet and nutrition coaching because, you know, entrepreneurs, man, they can be super, super successful, but they may not like what they see when they look in the mirror. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and there's a lot of disinformation out there and it's hard to cut through all the BS with nutrition and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's something that I provide to my clients as well. Very cool, man. Yeah. And so tell, tell us what you, I mean, cause this is, this is a newer endeavor and you've spent a good amount of your professional life in an, in a, in a whole different world. Tell us about that for a second. That's right. Yeah. So I had a plumbing business that I started in 2018 and I'm a plumber by trade. I started when I was 17 years old in 1999. And, you know, I started my business in 2018 because I wanted to bring something to my town that just didn't exist, a type of company that didn't exist that was all about customer service. It was customer service, customer service first, you know, because anybody can fix the plumbing, you oh. know, but they call us because of the experience that we provide when we yeah. fix that plumbing, That's you know, right. so that was the vision for the company. And, and, the, and, and so I started the company in 2018 with the goal to add electrical and HVAC to create a company that can provide all the home services to the customer. Yeah. And I wanted to scale it quickly and sell it. I wanted to use the business as a stepping stone and that's exactly what I did. So in under five years, I was able to scale it, scale it to about $4 million in revenue and then just had an exit at the end of 22. Yeah, I love it, man. A lot of practical things that you and I are gonna be able to be able to go through, not only just in your history, but kind of the two of us kind of pinging back and forth on what could be super helpful for the listener, especially if they're in the home services. But if, even if they're not building a business as you're building a not home service business now, it's the same formula. It is absolutely. It's the same. 
absolutely is, man. It, it, business is really the same at, at its core principle, you know? That's right. That's right. You know, it's really the same. It's right. And, and don't get me wrong. Like you, I'm sure were part of many like plumber associations or plumber conferences and groups. And I think there's much value in all of that. Specifically for me though, me being as an entrepreneur in different industries myself, when I started gathering the Kings, the, the peer-to-peer mastermind group, I, I didn't, I, what niche am I going to go with? Well, our niche is obviously just a big business owner. Cool. But like when you really boil it down, business is business. And yes, you sold plumbing services and I sell a bunch of different stuff and, and so-and-so listening sells something completely different, but the principles remain the same. So I'm excited to jump into that. Before we do though, Russell, bro, what's your why? What's the burning thing inside of you? What gets you up in the morning? What is it? Man, what gets me up in the morning is, is building a life by design, you know, not, not, not having to do things like I've had to do for so many years of my life, but being able to do things, you know, yeah, now yeah. I get to work with coaching and that sort of thing. Now I get to provide for my family in a way that benefits everyone. I, I get to be more available for my family now because I exited my business and now I only work like, you know, one day a week, you know, one or two, it's not very much because I need to find that balance, you know? So that's really what drives me. That's really what drives me is providing just providing for my family. Yeah, I love that. We're definitely going to get into that, especially since you use the word balance. I've been, I've been creating an enemy with the word balance. And so we're going to get into that here in a second. But I thought maybe for sure your why was getting some more shirts because you look like you got some awesome shirts there behind you. <laughs> for the uh, listeners that aren't watching the video, man, he's got a whole closet full of very <laughs> colorful, very nice shirts. A lot of money represented right behind him there. <laughs> Todd Snyder, man. Everyone should check out Todd Snyder. He's awesome, man. He's great menswear designer. That's right. I love it. That's good stuff, man. They say, well, not they. Specifically, Think and Grow Rich, the success principle book of all time, talks about highly successful people are aware of detail, which includes their presentation and how they look. So Absolutely. Gotta look, gotta look sharp. All right. Absolutely. So you started a business. But before that, you worked for a business. And so what made that transition? You went from employee to business owner. Why? Well, I've always been, you know, I worked for, I worked for other people for, you know, 15 years of my career or whatever it was. And I'm the type of guy where, where I'm never content with kind of where I am. I'm always wondering where that next level is, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So once I was about 35, 36 years old, I was working for a company I was super, super happy with. I, I tried to move up and I really couldn't. There was really nowhere to go. You know, yeah. and, and then, and then after a handful of years with that company, I realized that the only way for me to do what I was trying to do in life was to go at it on my own, you know, and that's just, that's what happened. And, and I, and I built the business a certain way from day one, because I had a, a goal in mind, which was to build it in a way where a private equity group would want to purchase it, you know, basically as soon as possible, as soon as I could get it to a level where I can sell it, that's the goal right. is to sell it, right. you know? So I built it from day one, very structured very process oriented, very professional. And it was all about the customer, you know, and that's the way I built it from day one. Yeah. I was talking actually with, with Matt, actually the guy that referred me to you. And we were talking about this transition in the home service space. You just mentioned it was all about the customer. And so he and I were having this pretty in-depth conversation about home service and how it used to be is that it was about the service, right? Like not, not the experience, but the service. You just, you got the plumbing work done. Like you said, you just come out, you do the work and, and there, maybe there was a demand, maybe there wasn't, but it really wasn't customer focused. It was more like technically focused and, and can you do it? Can you not that type of a thing? But 
a lot, and a lot of that stems from, you know, like even manufacturing, pushing certain products, and that's, it's all been knowledge and, and technically based. But for the last five, 10, maybe even longer, 15 years, the customer has taken control of the buying decisions rather than maybe the other end, the manufacturers and the technically driven decisions. And it's all about the experience and it's all about how the homeowner feels while working with your company. Can you speak to that at all? Absolutely. The culture that I built in my company was all about serving the customer. You know, I used to say all the time in training, when I was training my technicians and my, and the rest of my employees, I used to say all the time, it's not about the plumbing. Anybody can fix the plumbing. Like I, I would, I would go to Google and I would, you know, I'm in Culpepper and the name of my business was Culpepper Home Services. And I would, in the training room, I had a big TV on the wall and I would, I would Google plumbers and Culpepper, you know, HVAC repair and Culpepper, electricians and Culpepper. And I would show the guys, I say, look, look how many options the customer has in the marketplace. Any, any one of these customers can fix their, their problem. It's yeah. not, a, it's not about the plumbing. It's about the experience they receive when they call our company. That's, that's what sets us apart, you know, cause anyone can fix the plumbing, but they call us for the experience that we provide. Yeah. Yeah. Th so this client experience, I mean, I've, I've really gone in deep on this and a lot of what I was chatting with Matt about and, and some of the things that he and I are working on include this client experience, but <clears throat> I've really obsessed over what does this really look like? And for me, it's like this very beginning all the way to end experience. And then everything's broken down into touch points is what I call them. So I, I'd love to hear your opinion. Basically from the first interaction of what your brand looks like on the van or the sign or the ad that they see online, the very first interaction with your, with your company from a marketing perspective, and then how they call or how you call them, that first verbal interaction, email interaction, the text touch points throughout the, the process, the sales process itself, right? Then you have the actual completion of the work and then you have a, like an after work relationship building experience. And, and, and there's a lot of detail inside of all that, but would you, would you agree? Would you, would you add anything to that? Give us some thoughts around like, what is the client experience exactly? Sure. So, you know, it's very simple. I used to do this in training also is I would pull up reviews, you know, from, from my company, from other people's companies, whatever the case may be. And, and we'd go through the reviews. We go through, through the reviews and, and the, you know, on the screen right there. And you can just read through the reviews and see what people are talking about when it comes to your company or somebody else's company. What are they complaining about and what are they praising? Very rarely will you see them say that water heater they installed is beautiful. The way they join the pipes, the way the handle is, you know, when you it's turn the so handle. So pretty. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can turn the handle without it hitting the expansion tank and like all this technical stuff that most technicians think is important is yeah. not important at all. When yeah. you, the, the, the truth of the matter is once you start reading through the reviews, what you notice is people, the people are saying, you know, he, 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 he asked me if my truck was parked okay. You know, and he moved it with a smile on his face because my husband had to leave or, oh, he put, put on shoe covers as he came into my house and he, he wasn't scared of my dog. He had a dog treat, he even gave a dog treat to my dog, or he had patience with my autistic son who was there and wanted to, wanted to help and learn and see what he was doing. You know, those are the things that people care about. Yeah. Those are the things that people care about. It's, they don't care about the toilet that you're there to fix. Anybody can do that. Yeah. I mean, there's 30 other people in the marketplace in a small town. I mean, yeah. if you're in a, if you're in a dense market, like, yeah, good luck. I mean, DC Metro, there's hundreds and hundreds of plumbers that yeah. they can choose from and they're, and they all can fix that toilet or repair that water heater or whatever the case, they can all do that, you know, but it's those extra steps that the customer actually cares about, you know, yeah. because one thing I used to love doing for customers 
And this is something else that I would do in training is, is I would, I would, I would, I would ask the group, I'd say, you know, what's something that you did extra for a customer this week? You know, what did you do extra, you know, that was Good. above and beyond, you yeah. know, because one of the things I used to love doing was that people get the storm door replaced on their, on their front door, you know, of their house, but the installers don't adjust the strut. So it's, when you open it, the thing just slams, like it shakes the house. Right. Yep. And your average person doesn't know how easy that is to adjust. So I, what I would do is I would take my little Phillips head screwdriver because I got it right there and I would just adjust the little strut. I'd open the door, close it, open and close it, adjust it, open so I get it just perfect, you know? And this did two things. Made the customer super happy because right. they didn't understand how easy it was. Number right. two, it makes me more efficient because now I can blast in and out of the door, you know, get my work done without having it, you know, yeah. manually close it every time, yeah. you know? at the end of the day, it made the customer happy. And that's what it's really all about. It's those little things like that, yeah. that the customer doesn't expect you to do. They expect you to fix that toilet. They don't expect right. you to carry in the newspaper from the curb or that's pull simple. their trash can from the end of the driveway so or, simple. you know, all these little tiny things that, that really make the difference. Yeah. It's so good, man. It makes me think of another person. I don't know, maybe it was a couple of months ago. I was chatting and, and the example that he used, they're an outdoor company outdoor living space, kitchens and landscape, landscape and stuff like that. But they would, they would find and install new lights, not, not part of their plan, not something that the, the customer paid for. Uh, but it was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks and, but in specific strategic areas outside that were already there light, but, but just replaced it. And it cost them a couple hundred bucks. But the homeowner was like, Whoa, like, wait, wait a second, you know? Wow. And so again, just finding those little things. I love the newspaper, like all of those very, very common sense, so simple, but nobody does. Yep. No one does that. And it's also important when you get in the door, you know, you don't get right down to business the moment you get in the door, you know, That's right. you know, I trained a six step process with the, with the, how do you run a service call? And it's everything from the prepare step to the greet step to the explore, to the present, to the execute, to the wrap up. And then you break it down into, into easy steps that are easy to, to digest and manage. Yeah. It just creates an experience for the customer that they don't get anywhere else, you know? Yeah. And it just goes back to the fact that anybody can fix the water heater. Yeah. Not everyone's doing the six-step process. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I guess I would even go, you know, alongside of the process and say, anybody can follow a process, but when you, when you aren't just check, 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 but you're being a human Yep, and, that's and you're thing. paying attention to the other human. Yep. Well, that's the you. thing. It's like, you know, make the process fit your style. Like don't run it like, like you're a robot because it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. You know, learn it and then make it fit your style, you know? So when you get in the door, the first thing you got to do is make a personal connection with the customer. You got to lighten, you know, lighten the mood up because yeah. when a customer has to call a plumber or really any tradesman for that matter, yeah. you know, they're usually in a bad mood. You know, because now they've woken up and they're trying to get out the door, you know, trying to get their kids ready. They got no hot water. Now they're running right. late. Now they got to figure out who to call. And one of the exercises I would do with my guys uh, is I would say, well, let's, let's brainstorm all the feelings that a customer has when they wake up in the morning and they have no heat, they have no AC, no hot water, whatever the case may be. What are all the thoughts and fears that are in these customers' minds right now in this, in this moment, you know? And the group would come up with a great list. I'd write it on the board. And then I would have them, okay, how do we solve these problems? How do we, re, how do we alleviate these concerns that the customer has? Yeah. And everything goes back to the process, you know, yeah, it's right. getting the, re, getting the reviews online because when you have a great reputation online, it puts the customer at ease because they have a feeling that you're going to take care of them, you yeah. know? 
So the review generating is a huge as a huge part of it because it'll make you stand out. It'll make yeah, you stand it, out from the competition. Exactly. I love what you said though that it, the review, yes, it gets you more business, but <laughs> what it does is it puts the customer at ease. That's why someone from a consumer perspective is even looking at the reviews. They're looking for can I depend? Are they going to show up? Are they going to rip me off? Like all of those things are very uncertainty, fear-based thoughts. And and having a ton of five-star reviews or a process that allows them to feel comfortable in, even just saying, like, I love the brainstorming idea on those on that list and being able to walk in. And as a trained technician, I've got this list of like, oh, I wonder what fear he's got. And when I walk in, I have this calm presence and I recognize, oh, he's late or he's got kid or whatever the scenario is from the list. I say, hey, look, I completely understand. Don't worry, we're going to get you to work as soon as possible. Like even just a sentence like that is like, yep. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and that's part of the process too. Once you say, and it's, and the way you ask questions is very important. You know, I used to train my guys to ask, you know, what else can I do for you today? Versus saying, is there anything else I can do for you today? Because if you ask, is there anything else I can do for you today? Then the customer, it's almost like a reflex. They're going to say no. But when you ask it in a way like, Hey, what else can I do? What, what else can I take care of for you today? You know, in a sincere way, it actually will actually stop and think and be like, you know what? You know, this toilet's been running upstairs for the last six months because that's what happens. It's like customers learn to live with issues. Customers learn to live with issues in their home because A, they don't have time to figure out who to call. B, you know, maybe they don't have the cash laying around. You know, there's a whole multitude of reasons why customers live with things. I'm a plumber and I, and I live with plumbing issues in my own house. You know, I mean, <laughs> we, we all have them. We yeah. all have them. But when your hot water heater goes out, well, not, you yeah. can't live with that. Yeah, you so, can't so now we're in the house for, for the water heater not working. So you got to jar the customer's memory and have a conversation with them and get them loosened up and feel comfortable with you. So they'll, so they'll kind of, you know, talk about other things that, that, that might be bothering them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We could, we could go probably a few hours on just this topic. Really, it's a human interaction, communication, personality, sales, like, I mean, <laughs> Huge topic. I love it. I want to ask you, though, the crux of the show is based on good and bad decisions. So I want to know, I mean, you built a company, a $4 million company over four years, and you sold it. What was a great decision that you made that helped you do that, that we can go implement in our businesses today? A great decision. Well, you know, my goal from day one was to sell it. So, you know, most people, especially in my space, I'm not quite sure how, how it is in, in, in other types of businesses, but in my, in my type of business, I would get letters constantly from got from people, you know, private equity groups, whatever, you know, hey, let's have a conversation, see if we're a good fit. You know, we're looking to buy businesses like yours. You know, I knew what my ultimate goal was, was to sell the business. And most people ball them things up and throw them in the trash. But I, what I did was I actually scheduled a meeting with every one of those guys, every single one of them, you know, because it allowed me to A, learn yep. and B, build relationships yeah. so that when I worked with my, when I worked with my, my broker to take my business to market. I actually was able to hand him a list of people who I'd been talking to for the past few years, yeah. you know? So that helped me, you know, when it came down to sell the business. Another decision that I made to kind of get to that point was appearing larger than I was. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the guy riding around, you know, in a pickup truck working out of his basement doesn't give a lot of confidence to a lot of customers. That's right. You know, the there's a customer out there for that guy. There's a customer for everyone. Yep. But if you're trying to scale a business and you're trying to grow a business, the number one thing you need to do is instill confidence in your potential clients who find you online. Yes, so, right. 
So number one, from day one, I was hammering reviews, getting those reviews built up because what happened was, you know, my first year I was able to rack up a hundred five-star reviews and the next guy in my town only had like 20. I mean, it was this huge margin that I was able to, to build on everyone. Right, yet yeah. I'm still working out in my basement. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I, I hadn't even gotten my office yet. But what that did is that, that presented my company in a larger way than it, actually, than it actually truly was, you know? So it just goes back to giving the, the consumer confidence. They, they would see me with 100 reviews and everyone else with 10 or 15 or 20. Well, I was getting all the calls only, only a year in business. And frankly, it didn't yeah. even take that long. Within, a, right. within like a month or two, I already had more reviews than everyone else in the marketplace. Right. You know, and boom, I'm at the top of Google. I'm getting all the calls. It comes down to creating a scenario where the customer feels confident and calling you, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I think that there's a, a lot of intentionality. We talked about that at the very beginning. I used that word. And then you said you started with a plan. So that, that's what intentionality is. I think that those are great. The process of looking bigger than you are, I agree with 100%. It's all about perception is reality. Yep. It's not about necessarily faking it till you make it. It's not like being someone that you're not. Those were real reviews. You just were better at showing who you were. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I, and I, was, I was better at the process. I had a process that I ran every single call because yeah. you know every single customer will tell you they're going to give you a review because you have to ask. You have to ask. And you have to ask specifically for a five-star Google review. If you do not ask for a specific five-star Google review, they'll go leave you a four-star on Yelp. It doesn't mean anything. Or they'll leave you a five-star on Facebook. It doesn't mean anything. Or, you know, so you have to be specific and intentional in what you're asking for because the Google, right. Google owns our industry. It's an unfortunate thing, but Google owns our industry, yeah. you know? Got so, by the rules. Correct, man. So, you know, you're going to ask for specifically five-star Google review. And even though everyone will say they're going to give you one, still only about three out of 10 will actually do it. You know, so it's why it's important to run the process every single time. Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer -peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and a super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer -peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me, and I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. Yeah, so good, man. The, uh, the consistency of, I mean, yes, you had to build the process. That's in order how you stay consistent. So you first have to have a process to follow, but then, then you just don't deviate. You just do it every time. Every time. Every time. No matter what. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Let's flip the coin. What was a bad decision that kept you from maybe selling sooner or maybe just something that just caused you a lot of trouble that we can stay away from? Man, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a, a lot of small ones probably along the way. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I probably should have sold in 21 when I first initially explored it, but, but we decided, my broker and I decided to wait and give it another year. 
allow some more growth in the, in the business and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, I should have, I should have sold in 21 when I first initially explored it, but you know, things always work out the way they're supposed to, you know? I mean, I tried starting a business back in like 2014 or something like that, and it just didn't work out. I didn't fully commit. It just wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time for me, you know? That's why I didn't. Interesting. Why, why do you think it wasn't the right time? I, 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 I didn't fully commit. I was in a very strange time of my life. I was, I was like right at, in the middle of a real bad divorce and I lost everything and I was living in my mom's basement and it was just a horrible, horrible time in my life, man. And, uh, and I was super, super broke and, and I was just trying to like, I was trying to just, you know, once I hit that, once that, once I went through that divorce, man, it just supercharged me because I was like, I am not this person. I am not this broke person. Yeah. Like, this is not me. This is not who I am. And I've just been on, you know, a straight uphill trajectory ever since, ever since. What? So, okay. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of weight there. Let's, if you don't mind me poking and prodding in there. Okay. So the divorce was the, the catalyst. Okay, fine. But who was the person that you said? I'm not that guy anymore. Like what was he doing or what were the decisions that he was making that you were like, nope, I'm fed up. I'm done with that guy. I'm going this way now. What was that guy doing that we can that guy, that guy was just broke. <laughs> I mean, I was still working hard and, and doing everything I could, but I was just kind of like treading water, man. I was just trying to get back to at least where I was prior to my divorce. Like, sure. You know what I mean? So it just, it, I just had, I just had to super, super focus and, and, and just, and just work hard, man, you know, and just, and get my mind right. You know, I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big, I'm big on goals and I'm big on visualizing all my goals. And, and I think it's super, super important to every day, write your goals down. What do you want your life to look like? Visualize it, put some emotion behind it. And, and, and you know, what do they call that? The law of attraction. I mean, it works. It, it works. It might not work on everything, but right. it will work on a lot of stuff. I mean, you can't sit here and, and write down that a million bucks is going to drop in your lap tomorrow and it happened. I mean. It doesn't work like that, but you know, if you live your life in a certain way, you're a good person and you have a good heart and you don't seek to harm people and that sort of thing, then yeah. the universe will tend to pull in your favor. Yeah. <clears throat> I like how you said that there's a reality to what we're pulling in, right? And, and yeah, okay. So maybe like a literal million bucks doesn't just show up on my doorstep tomorrow, but a relationship with someone that we start a business together that leads to a million bucks can start tomorrow. Yep. And that's the seed of what you're, you know, speaking or thinking or, you know, bringing forth. And that's, and that's, that's the gap. I think where a lot of people can, <clears throat> they kind of miss it where it's like, they're wishing more so where really they need to be like intently, like speaking directly to their subconscious going, no, this is, this is how we operate. This is what we're expecting. And, and then, and it opens itself up to not just the million bucks falling in your lap for nothing, because that's, that's absolutely the reverse of how success works. It's something for nothing doesn't actually work. <laughs> the, the something for nothing is the reverse of the seed of an idea or the seed of a relationship. And then a business starts or something, you know? Yep. Uh, absolutely. But you're not, your mind's not looking for it. If you're looking for the million bucks just to be handed to you. Exactly. And I'm, and I'm intentional in every, everything I do, there's a reason behind it. You know, I'm super, super intentional with every action that I take, you know? Yeah. And another important thing is, you know, Find, find people who are doing the things that you want to be doing in life, you know, not the posers that are talking about it, but the ones that are actually doing it, yeah. you know, Big like difference. don't take, don't take diet advice from a fat person, you know, don't take financial advice from, from someone who's broke, you know, find the people who are actually doing the things that you want to be doing and align yourself with them. Yeah. That's what I did. I took everything that I learned over the years in plumbing 
And then in 2014, one of my moves to kind of get my life back on track was um, I had, I had, I, I got a job working for a company, you know, just try to make more money and it, and it worked out. It was, it was a great place for me to go in 2014. And they were, it was like, it was, it was refreshing because it was like the first actual, like real business that I worked for in my whole entire career. And I've been doing it for like 15 years at that point. And so I just paid attention, man. I just paid attention to the way it operated. I paid, I paid attention to the way the call center operated. I paid attention to the processes that not only was being trained for me, but that other people were following. And I got a really nice grasp of how a real plumbing business is supposed to operate. So once I started my business, I just emulated what I already knew worked, you know, I emulated and I innovated. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, they say, what do they say? Robin duplicator? What, how, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to a great extent, that's only about 80% of it, but you've got to innovate. You got to innovate to stay ahead of the competition because if you're doing the same thing that everyone else is doing, someone else is innovating and someone else is innovating you're, and you're not, you're going to get left behind. So you got to be ahead by taking what they're doing and innovating on that process or whatever it is and making it better. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, and also not being afraid to pivot when something's not working. You know, I got in, I got into doing drain fields when I was in business, man. Okay. And I invested all this money and all this equipment and all this other stuff, man, through drain fields. We did like two or three drain fields, found out there's no money in that crap and boom, we're done. <laughs> we're not doing drain fields anymore, man. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, man, I, you know, you're, you're the, the principle that you're talking about is decisiveness. Whether you've made a good or a bad decision, you got to recognize and go, oh, okay, either press in harder or, or no. And being decisive one way or the other is extremely important. It's one of the, one of the principles of success for sure. Okay. So you, you change your mindset. You start thinking about how you can be intentional about your moves. You, you, you obviously start a business. You're successful through the process. You make mistakes, of course, but. Anything else that we can think of in this, in this game of making good decisions? What about now? Something comes across your desk today. You don't even own the plumbing company anymore. How do you make decisions today? Well, now, now my lifestyle comes first. You know, my lifestyle, my, my, my time, I own my time now. You know, I'm not, I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm not beholden to public opinion like I was when I had the plumbing business because the last thing you want is, you know, just say something dumb on Facebook and then, and then, people start blasting your company because you did something stupid. And now my employee, now my call counts are down because people aren't calling. My employees aren't getting the calls they were getting. They're not being able to feed their families and making the money that they were, you know, because I did something dumb. So it's nice to have that weight lifted off my shoulders to where I'm, I'm a hundred percent my own person now. I'm, I'm owned by nobody, you know? So when I make a decision, the first thing I'm looking at is how much of my time is this going to, is this going to take? Because my lifestyle comes first. You know, I'm very, very active. I'm very busy. I'm, I'm busier now than I was when I had the business, which is the craziest thing about it. You know? <laughs> you just get to do all the cool things that you were wanting to do then, but you can't, you couldn't. I, you know? I know, seriously. So, you know, and that's just kind of, so yeah, it's just, it's just how much time is this taken and, and what, what are the actual priorities here? Yeah, I love that. I want to ask you some other questions here, some different line of questions. I'm going to, I'm going to reverse my order here though. So the... Kind of stemming from what we were just talking about, this doing the things that you kind of want to do and a little bit of lifestyle. You mentioned the word balance before. I'm picking up that you're a pretty obsessed individual. Um, I think most successful people are. So my my phrase that I've used and I've begun to use more and more is instead of work-life balance, work-life obsession. And being obsessed with the things that I love as much as the business that I love. 
right? That's why that's what made me successful in business was my obsession, my attention to like, just let's just freaking go, right? But what if I did that to my wife? Like press that same obsession into my marriage. What if I did that to my kids and my family? What if I did that to the hobbies that, you, that you're doing now that you couldn't do then? Like, how does that play into what you just said as far as like, I look at my lifestyle now or looking back when you had the business, what were you doing or what would you wish that you had done you know, to be able to do both, be obsessed about both rather than you know, all in on the business and not on those other things that you, that you weren't doing? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, the business just required a lot of time, you know, to stay on top of all the all the metrics that a business owner needs needs to stay on top of. But, you know, from day one, like I said, the, the goal was to build something that I could sell quickly. So sure. a couple of things have to happen for that. You got to have profit. You got to have, you know, a certain size revenue, but also it's got to run itself because whoever is buying your business doesn't want to come in and run it. They they want to purchase an asset yeah, that a is machine. They pretty much a machine that just runs and operates. So from day one, I was offloading every responsibility that someone else could do. I would have them do it, you know, to where it got to the point where I was basically just doing, just managing the profitability of the company, which is what the true, the owner's true responsibility really is at the end of the day. That's, I mean, you know, you can hire a CFO and that sort of thing as you get big enough, but at the end of the day, the ownership is responsible for the profitability of the company when it comes down to it, you know? So, so that's ultimately where I, where I really ended up there towards like the last year or maybe two years. That's pretty much what I was doing day, you know, day in and day out. But you're right when it comes to work-life obsession. You know, I, I like that phrase because it's absolutely true. You know, I'm obsessed. I was obsessed about my business. You know, I'm obsessed about my life now. I'm obsessed about my wife, my children, the time we spend together. And that's really what it is. And, you know, like you said, successful people are usually obsessed about things. And, and I absolutely am, dude, like everything, you know, hobbies. I go all in, dude. Like if I get a new hobby, like I'm all in, dude. Like, you know, I got I need one of everything. I get it. <laughs> you know, but that's an, that's absolutely true, man. You know, uh, so I'm always doing what I love in a sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Exactly. I, I, I think that what you just said, they're super powerful. So I don't want to, I don't want to skip over it too fast. When, when you are doing the things that you're obsessed with, including the business, it's, it's never really worked. And so we get to love what we do all day long, whether I'm on a podcast with Russell or whether I'm in a strategic roundtable with my mastermind members or whether I'm preparing for Mother's Day with my retail franchises or whether I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a, a situation where we're trying to buy properties in, in, in South Florida, like, or I get to be with my kids this afternoon or like you name it. I get to love what I'm doing because I'm obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And you get, you get to do it. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. And that's, yeah, that's, that's right. the beautiful part. It's a, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. You mentioned KPIs and you said that the, you know, the one thing that the owner should be, you know, kind of tracking is profitability. If that was the only thing that you could pick, would that still be your one answer? Or would there be something different that a business owner should be paying attention to if they can only pick one thing? That's it, man. Because everything stems from that. If you're making money, you can, you can, you can pretty much fix anything if you're making money. Yeah, that's right. You know, because you'll I have enough time. a lot of problems. I mean, it, it might take you 10 years, but if you're making money, you, you got a long time to fix these problems. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. I think that, uh, you know, problems come when you, do, when you can't solve more problems or bigger problems, like other problems stem, I mean, when you can't solve the problems. And, and a lot of times you can't solve the problems because there's no resource, time or money. But a lot of times money can just solve that problem. That's for sure. Yep. Money can fix a lot of problems. It sure can. What what book or maybe a business resource would you recommend for our listeners? I like uh, uh, Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. That's a cool yeah. book. That's a really yeah. cool one. 
It is. What, what do you like most about it? What's your takeaway? I like the, the I like the historical perspective that, that, he, sure. that he, so he'll, he'll give you a law, but then he'll give you a, like a historical sort of like story that goes along with the law, which I think was really cool. You know? Yeah. I listened to the audio of that one and this was, a, it's been a couple of years, but I actually felt like I was listening to kind of like an old historian type guy, you know, just the way that it's written, obviously it was written a hundred years ago or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. just the type of language that's written in is pretty cool. Yep. And Dale Carnegie's got some good books. You know, I've read a lot of sales books and, and things like that, you know, yeah. so, and, and it's just, it's just really important to learn how to use the English language to, to, you know, to, to, to influence someone to do something in a sense. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To move someone's decision from A to B or whatever the case may be, you know, the way you use words and language, you know, is, is very, very powerful, especially when I was, had the business and I was in, at work in the field as a plumber and things like that. I use all the time. And it's like, yeah. let's go ahead and let's go ahead and dot, dot, dot. You can, yeah. you can say, let's go ahead and, and anything after that. And that person's going to be doing it with you. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is, you know? Let's go ahead and, and look at your water here. Let's go ahead and go, go find your main valve. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and do that. If you say, let's go ahead and you're, you, we're going, we're doing it. You know what I mean? So the way you say things and the way you communicate is very, very important. Yeah, I love it. it <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever used this word so much in one podcast, but it's intentionality, right? Absolutely. Every, um, I, word, every word I speak is, is intentional. Yeah, it matters. Especially when you're trying, when you have a desired outcome, right? Like, it's not manipulation in the sales process when you're trying to serve the other person, but you can still have an idea of what it is that they need in order for you to serve them. But a lot of times, especially homeowners, they get in their own way. And so me, like you said, influencing them to make a decision isn't manipulation. It's just helping them get over themselves to get what they say that they need or whether maybe they don't know that they need it, but they do need it because that's the problem. That's why I'm here. I'm the expert. I know that this is what you need. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, Okay, what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I think it's really important, you know, because like we talked about earlier, you, you, can, you can create a relationship that, that can turn into a, you know, a, a, a business opportunity or anything yeah. like that, you yeah. know? That's right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely important. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Okay, I got one, one last question here for you. And uh, this, is, this might come across a little interesting because, you know, we're both young guys, but... If you had the opportunity to whisper in the younger Russell's ear, what would you say? Let's see. The younger, I would probably say when I was, let me think for a second. How old was I? I think I was 20, maybe 21 years old. I'd say, don't marry that woman. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. But, okay. you know, we, we touched on kind of my background a, a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, I dropped out of high school at 15 years old. You know, I was a troubled kid. I was, I was in trouble constantly getting suspended from school. I failed everything. You know, I was just ready to go live my life, man. I was ready. I was, I was, I was, I just wish my parents would let me quit school so I can go off and start my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I finally got in so much freaking trouble that I, I was rebelling hard. It's like, I'm going to do whatever the heck I'm going to do. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's when they finally let me quit school. I got my GED at 15. And then as soon as I turned 16, a couple months after that, I, I started working full time at 16 years old, man, you know, commuting into Northern Virginia. I was doing landscaping, you know, like 60 hours a week, six days a week. And, you know, and then started plumbing at 17 years old. So, you, you know, I've been around, man. I've done a lot in my life and I've had a lot of ups and downs, man. But the one thing that I've always been is positive. 
And I've always been optimistic and I've had a good head on my shoulders, you know? It's good. I love how you said that even through the like troublesome times that you were still optimistic and, and you would even go as far as to say you had a good head on your shoulders. A lot of times that pent up energy or that, that frustration, or even sometimes in our own children, right? It's, it's that it's autonomy. They, they just desire autonomy to do their own thing. And, and obviously you were being kind of held down through the school system and, and obviously you were just a kid. So there's parental, you know, guidance there and just things that all of us entrepreneurs, we can relate to that. We can, at some point we said enough, get off of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I, I, I think it's huge, but at the same time too, it's not, it's not like, let me rebel in all the wrong areas of life just for the sake of it. It's no, no, let me, let me, I need to be the captain of my ship. Yeah. Like, I needed freedom. Yeah, yeah, like freedom, just you know? just give me some give me some wiggle room, man. Yeah, and it's crazy because my daughter's fifteen now, and it's like, man, just, oh. just think, man, she's fifteen years old, same age I was Dude. when I quit high school and and started freaking landscaping full time, run you know, working a shovel all day long. Does that, does that blow your mind? It does, man. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's because she's um, just a kid. She's fifteen years old. She's a kid. You know. I it's know. Crazy. I know. I, I, I lied. I got one more question for you. I, I kind of weaved in my, my, my family question a little bit earlier out of order sometimes, but I, I got one more thing because you got, you got a little older kids than I do. Maybe some of the listeners might be curious as well, especially with you transitioning out of the business and, and starting something new. What, what do you, or what are you trying to do as a dad, as a business owner? Cause it can be for a mom perspective if, if they're listening. You instilling in your children at 15, like having that, that, that kind of reminded me there, like, wow, she's where you were when kind of like your journey began. What have you been doing or what are you doing now to like give her the things that she needs in order to have autonomy and to be able to go do her own thing or maybe even own a business or be successful, like fill in the blank. Yeah. So I, I, I just tell my kids all the time, man, the world doesn't give a crap about you. You could be laying, laying broke in a ditch and no one's going to freaking care about you. You need to worry about yourself. You need to be able to support yourself and you need to take care of yourself because no one's going to do it for you, you know? And that's, and that's the reality of it. You have to take care of yourself. Nobody's going to take care of, no, no one's going to take care of you. And I just told him this past week. And I, I said, cause some recent report came out about how, like, I don't know, it was like 40% of millennials, their parents are paying their rent or something crazy like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and being in plumbing for so many years, I would see it all the time. I'd see these 30 year old kids living in their parents' basements, you know, playing video games all day long. You know, meanwhile, they got $300,000 education, you know? Crazy. Uh, so, you know, I, t- I told my kids over the week, I said, look, I'm not taking care of loser adult children. So you guys need to be in a position where you're going to be able to take care of yourself because I'm not doing it, you know? And like I told my daughter, it's like, you know, it, the fastest way into poverty is to have a baby, you know, as a teenager or, or really even in your early 20s in a sense, because you have to get to a point where you have, an established career before you take off for two months and now you got childcare and everything else that's going to cost a fortune. You can't be 17 years old and having a baby. You know, that's the fastest way into poverty. And I'm not taking care of no babies. I've, I've been down that road. I'm done taking care of babies, you know? And I, I get to be grandpa now, not, not, not a caretaker of babies. <laughs> yeah. So I just lay out scenarios, you know, I lay out scenarios. Like this is what happens if you have a baby before you're ready. You know, if you're a teenager and you have a baby, the, the, the dad, he can go off and, and live his life. He can move to another state. He can do, but, but it's always the mother that's stuck with the child and the, and the, and the dad is out, you know, doing whatever, you know, yeah. doesn't, you know, he, he can go off and do whatever he wants. And, and it's always the, the mother that's stuck with the child. 
Yeah. So, you know, I just, I'm real with them, man. I, I tell them about life and I'm real with them. You know, I don't, I don't sugarcoat things and, and I, and I make sure they know that they out of work, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to buy them a piece of crap car for their first car, you know, <laughs> because if they want something nice, they're going to pay for it themselves. You know, and I told them I'm not paying for college. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not paying all that freaking money for college. You know, so many customers I've worked for over the years, man, they're in their sixties or seventies. And, you know, cause I, you know, I'm a relationship guy. I'm talking to my customers and everything. And, and they're telling me the only reason they're still working is because they got kids in college. It's like, dude, yeah. you're seven years old. When are you gonna live your life? Like, I'm not doing it, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm not, if you want to go to college bad enough, you can figure out how to do it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not putting the bill for it. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. It's funny. I remember a, a a conversation I had with my estate planner several years ago when my kids, I don't, I didn't even have two of the four. Maybe we had two at that time. And he's like, okay, well, so there's a lot of money here. What do you want to have done? I assume college. I'm quiet. He looks up and he's like, you're paying for their college, right? I'm like, no, sir. We can go on to the next one. <laughs> and he looks over at my wife, like, is he serious? And she goes, He's the one, like, no, you better, you better follow instructions on this one because I ain't budging, bro. And it doesn't mean that college is bad. My wife has a college education. She's a dental hygienist by trade. Thank goodness for those people. But it is not the only path, let alone the, the, or it's not, it's, it's not the path to success, let alone the only. So exactly all that to say, Russell, you have just been incredible. How can the listener, number one, how can they connect with you if they just want to reach out. But number two, if, if they're interested in some sort of a coaching program with you, how can they find you? Where can they go? Yeah. Facebook, you know, they can find me on Facebook and I've got all my coach. My, I've got a, just a post on, on my pen to the top of my feed that talks about the coaching. And there's a little link on the, on the left-hand side to book a 15 minute consultation with me. So it's super easy. Cool, man. Sounds good. Yeah. We, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. And, and so they, they can easily find you, but but dude, you're moving fast. You're in a whole nother chapter. I'm excited to know you and to see where even our relationship goes, because like you said, you just never know, but it's been an absolute pleasure getting to be able to showcase your story here and all your success. So we wish you nothing but blessings on your family and your, your new endeavors, all the things you have your hands to. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.